Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who drank more shots than the Flyers took Saturday night. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. I'm not certain that's true. I mean, because I didn't take any actual shots. I drank wine. I drank beer, but no hard liquor. So maybe that loss is on me. So if we're looking for somebody to blame, uh, don't blame Elaine Vigneault. Uh, blame Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. Fine. Let me let me rephrase it. I'm joined by a guy who always lets the truth get in the way of a good story. What's up, Chuck? <laughs> Gene, how you doing tonight, buddy? Um, usually Labor Day weekend, I celebrate with something called Splatterfest. I had no idea this year Splatterfest was going to be on the ice in Toronto. Uh, so oh, is that the uh, the blob uh event uh blob blob fest is usually uh in in the summer uh splatter fest oh, okay. is uh centered around italian um gore films usually badly overdubbed nice well I, i'll tell you what I, I actually just got done watching uh the class action park documentary on HBO Max. So, I mean, that could be a splatter fest as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that there's a I think splatter has become has a whole new definition now in 2020. Yeah. yeah. By, <laughs> by the way, I highly to... recommend that doc if you get a chance to watch it. What was that again? Yeah, I highly recommend watching that documentary if if you get the opportunity. I mean, if you if you've grown up in sort of the New Jersey, New York, Philadelphia area, I mean, you you've definitely and you grew up in the 80s you've definitely seen commercials for action park um so it's a it's you know it's a cool documentary gotcha i i have seen the commercials i just didn't put two and two together yeah um all right are we avoiding talking about the flyers or if we uh we jumping right into it because we can talk about some more ancillary shit if you guys want i was i was gonna say do we do we do we start with the good stuff (laughs) um or have we already finished that so, well, <laughs> we start with the good stuff. So our, our, our Flyers conversation is going to be broken up, I think, into two, two halves. We're going to talk about game seven and, you know, let us not be uh, overly negative about anything. We're going to talk about the Flyers, and I think we're going to talk about the future uh, and, and kind of where we are as an organization. And I think that conversation will be much more positive. Um, so how did everyone feel Friday night or Saturday night? I'm sorry. Um, not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> uh, it was it was all my worst bits of anxiety come true about that game. I was just worried that, you know, we saw a lot of, and I don't want to say effort. Like, I don't want to put it on, like, actual effort like motivation of the guys but we've seen a lot of poor performances from the flyers in this series where they're just getting beat to every puck they're losing every puck battle they can't clear the zone and i was worried what would happen if we started the game that way i didn't have the confidence that the flyers could fall down three nothing like we did against boston in 2010 and come back to win the series you know come back to win the game i mean and the game started, and it was every fear I had. Every single one of them. And 
and I held out in the slimmest of hope going into the second period. I'm like, well, the Flyers have had a lot of really shitty one-off period, uh, one-off periods. Maybe if they come off, come out strong, make it a one-goal game going into the third, we have a shot here. We never had a shot. Saturday was an embarrassment. We got our asses kicked. So yeah, Flyers lose for nothing um, in, a, in a game seven. That really, I mean, really, if you just looked at it, it appeared to be sort of gutless. Um, there, and you know, you're pointing to effort and and things like that. And I, you know, obviously, we're not going to say that there wasn't effort, but did we just what did we run out of gas? Um, was it where that there's just that much of a disparity between the two teams? I find that hard to believe since this went to a game seven. Yeah. Um, or was, you know, did we have such dominant goaltending performances before that, it, you know, kind of covered this up? Like I, to score, not to score nothing in a game seven is just really disheartening. Yeah. And I think we may have exhausted a lot of energy you know, coming back from from three one to make it three three. Every single win the Flyers had was in overtime. While that's a fun fact, that's not a good thing. You know, you know, you're putting in a lot of extra work on the games you win, and you know, losing in regulation. It's, it's so it's they may have just been spent like they they may have just not had the game to give and just at some point it becomes a mental block uh maybe they had all the same fears i did and they come out and the islanders just take it to them i, I don't think it's a talent gap um were the islanders playing better than the flyers yes very much so whole series the Flyer, the Islanders were playing a much better team game than the Flyers were. But the Flyers did have enough talent to take it to game to, to game seven. They were doing enough right things to get it to go to game seven, but it was just that disparity between quality of play um really really showed its ugly head in game seven. And and you know, I don't think Hart was bad. Um, I the Flyers got what? What was the end total in shots? Nine. It was something. Just I think we had fifteen. Was, we had fifteen. It was like I think we had seven shots going into the third, and then by the third, I was just counting the minutes really. But you know, Hart was fine. Uh, in the whole, I well, let's see. Yeah, game seven, Hart was fine. I don't think any goal was particularly on him. Um, maybe he could have been better, but there's no way you would say that loss was any way, shape, or form on Hart. Um, so uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with this. Was was did we did we go in there with a bad game plan? I, was there any way we could have won this game? I, I would have thought that after game six, uh, a double overtime win where the Islanders had us so close to elimination and to lose a double overtime game um, gives the Flyers such like an emotional jolt. You know, like 
you know, you got to be disheartened being up 3-1, and now you're basically at a game seven. I mean, maybe it would have been more impactful had there been traveling. It's like, oh, now you got to go back to Philadelphia. Uh, And it would have had a bigger impact than – you know what how it played out just being in a bubble you know you would have had gritty there uh doing like ejaculatory machinations in your face and uh all kind i don't know i mean gritty would have um but he's gritty so we we let him do it um but you touch on a couple things there and i do think the lack of a home ice advantage did hurt the flyers in a couple different ways. Um, one, I really think the enthusiasm of the home crowd could have helped some of our younger players out. Um, I don't think I talked about this much on the last show, but Sanheim and Myers, for as good as they looked to start off this postseason, they looked bad this series. Sanheim. And it was all rushed decision making they were giving up the puck they were they were trying to shoot up the boards as opposed to taking two strides finding somebody open and compare those two with our number one defenseman ivan provrov who is not much older than they are you know a year maybe now he has a lot more games under his belt but he has so much more composure that um I noticed particularly from him and from Hayes, they will, it's the chaos of the playoffs. It's the, they're, the Islanders are coming at you. They are not afraid to take the puck, bring it back in their zone, take a look around, and then make a decision. Sandheim and Myers were not doing that. They were, they were passing the puck blindly. They were just trying to get it out, hoping not to get pinned in their own zone. And maybe a home crowd helps them get over that anxiety. Maybe it helps build them up. You know, you talk about the cliche of a young team. And they, well, they don't have playoff experience. They don't have playoff experience. And people go, well, what does that mean? Maybe that's overvalued. But when you see some of our young players, um, and I'm thinking particularly of those two, uh, Sanheim Myers, really struggling with the game that they've played so damn well. Myers uh, up and down this season, um, more up than down, but he hasn't been consistent. Sanheim has had a very good season. Um, and they both started the postseason well. This Islanders series, they they got overwhelmed. Um, Travis Konechny, you saw with him, he was clutching that stick so damn hard. This was him from two years ago. Um, going on three, we're near, we're near the one year anniversary of this hockey season. Um, but from, uh, from season, you know, last season, I guess, um, he got off to a slow start and it was, he was overthinking it. He was frustrated. He was clutching the stick too hard. The last thing I want to say about the home ice advantage is this, I might have maybe put this on AV a little, and I don't have any hard proof of this, but there are sometimes when you have that last change, trying to match players up to do that line matching, you end up screwing yourself. You go, uh, they have their fourth line out, we're putting our fourth line out. Or I want this matchup. 
Like I want, I want the um, the Hayes um, Konechny Voracek. I want the Hayes whoever it was by the end. You know Hayes Lawton Konechny line. I want them out against their weakest defensive line. Mm, right. And if you're just keeping them on the bench the whole time, waiting for that matchup, you end up like screwing yourself. And I yeah. wonder if that happened this year, series because when we had last change. The Flyers were worse than just throwing out a line, knowing we're a deep team, and making making the Islanders play against us as opposed to the other way around. Uh, hmm. My my thought on sort of what may have transpired, especially the week leading up into through Game Six, six yeah, Game Six, uh, there was a couple of weird, I would say, weird bounces, both in how goals were scored for our like in our favor. And in what could be going on with what I imagine me here sitting and watching the team sort of removed from everything and what it might be like in a bubble, um, there were some very strange bounces that you may not see uh, under normal circumstances. First of all, we are going on that these guys have got to be getting to a point where being in the bubble is wearing on them mentally. Um, We know that there were people that – we saw it wearing on them very early in the playoff, uh, just players that just you would either verbally say that this is getting to me or, um, you know, in the case of Tuka Rask, it was just like, I'm, I've had it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking I'm, I'm going back and being with my family. Uh, and, and as we've said here, n- no ill will towards him. This seems like it would be a nearly impossible, like Herculean task to ask of anyone. So I think that there is a certain amount of um, when you're your emotional support is your own, is your team and that's really it um i think that that can only push you so far i think that there is a a need for them to have had some sort of outside and whether it's uh, the fans or their family or whatever or even just a a chance to get away from hockey to clear their heads especially some of these guys that were slumping the the, the opportunity just wasn't there um i mean the islanders got to deal with this too right no i agree i agree but i also think that one of the things that maybe tipped the scale was we have a young goaltender who is a phenom and had moments certainly in in the overtime in game six and and other points in this series where he played like clearly this is a a a guy that's going to have a long and and prosperous future as the number one goaltender for the flyers never have i watched a playoff series probably since eric lindros was on the team where i was where, where goaltending was not a major major concern going into the playoff series every other one even through uh, the the Stanley Cup um, finals run, I was deeply concerned with uh, goaltending. But the, one of the other things that came along is I think that we had gotten such good coaching all this time. And you, you can't tell me that all of the stuff that uh, Vigneault went through with some of his statements and stuff didn't possibly cause some sort of a distraction. Even though he said he's a hockey geek and all this stuff, um, when you're in the bubble and suddenly not only does the real world encroach, but it encroaches in sort of a negative way. Um, I, I have to think that there was maybe some of that weighing on his mind and to be counterbalanced with game six, Oscar Lindblom came back to play, which probably gave them that jolt of adrenaline that got them through a double overtime game. But the problem is I think the same thing. If you look at a fight, a, a prize fight where the one guy is just getting hit with body blow after body blow after body blow. By the time this series got to Game 7, 
some of the injuries that we acquired, although they were not maybe bad enough to keep any particular player out, and certainly any of those players, if put to make a decision about what to do, was going to say, I'm playing in that game seven. Um, you know, and unless they couldn't walk, they were going to play. But I think that there was a cumulative effect that when you have a guy like Couturier or, or some of the other players that were in there with those sorts of uh, injuries, you can only force your body to do so much. And as much as you may be giving mentally maximum effort, they were worn down. Some of their players were really and serious probably, uh, and are probably going to take, you know, weeks or months to, to fully uh, get back up to speed. Chuck, you might know more as to how that may have been affecting them uh, by, by Game 7. I just think that there was, by the time they get into Game 7, after everything they had done to 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 will themselves into, in, into that game, th- there just was not, there was not the emotional capital that they could have push forward and I think that one of the things that we have to give the the Islanders is they if if nothing else they are very good at their very specific system and they are very very well coached and organized and in the playoffs sometimes if you get good enough goaltending and they that's really what they did between two guys in this in this series they got good enough goaltending to near great goaltending in game three but if you're not putting shots on the net anyway partly because the Flyers are are gripping the stick and partly because that's the way their system is designed is to not let you have looks at the at the at the at the net or to have your looks be so that you don't get a shot on goal um that's the result you know the islanders game plan we just we play badly against that sort of play and i'll be interested to see how how tampa bay does because you know that's a very high talent team too are they going to get ground down you know is this system the kind of system that just wins over seven games here I am. here here's where I'm at with this. Like at the end of the day, you know, we were we were the one seed. I mean, at the end of the day, we were the one seed. We were the best team going into the playoffs in the East. And I don't care how you got there, what the circumstances were, who was down, who was up, who was hot, who's got a system that translates, who doesn't. The ice is bad. The ice is good. I played early. You played late, whatever. You're the one seed and you're playing the, what, the seven seed? And you're in a game seven. Like, you got to bring the wood, okay, to this game. And I feel like the wood wasn't brought – and I want to know who's responsible for for forgetting the wood. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Too many dirty jokes. That like my brain, like the old guys there. were old. The young guys were young, and the hurt guys were hurt. I want to touch on Gene's point because it's something that oh, I did. I, everyone's hurt. Well, we had three guys on the roster who probably shouldn't have been playing that night. I mean, we'll talk. Let's talk about Lindblom now. Was it awesome to see him out there? Yes, it was. Was it inspiring? Of oh my god, this guy came back from cancer. One hundred percent. Is he the best player we can put on the ice? Would we have been served better with Morgan Frost being in the lineup than than Lindblom? Oh, you made a face, Chuck. I kind you made a face of. At- he was he was my call. He was the one I was thinking should have gone in. He is a dynamic center. Now he has not played in a long time. Neither is Limbaugh. 
the Lindblom. <laughs> Thanks for grabbing my counter argument right away. Yep. <laughs> but, but Lindblom does bring that, you know, emotional push, which sure. kind of, let's be honest, they didn't kick ass in game six. We won in two overtimes. And I'm happy this story happened because, you know, you can play this tape back to me in three weeks. I'm not going to care. I'm going to go, this was the Lindblom series. We did it. We took it to game seven for Oscar, Oscar Strong, and yada, yada, yada. But honestly, probably should have been Frost. It probably should have been Frost because he um, is healthy. He has the talent. He's a center. He has the talent to play in the top six right now. Oscar was our best player before he got cancer. You know, he went out not with a broken bone. He went out with cancer, and he fucking beat it, and that's phenomenal. And he didn't look awful out there, but he wasn't a game changer. He was playing on the fourth line. He saw some power play time. That's cool. Um, he emotionally inspired the guys, but it probably should have been Frost just for what he could have brought in the upside. Go back. I don't know if Katore should have been in game seven and Raffle was hurt too. Raffle was out for games, um, you know, uh, four and five at least, and comes back for six and seven. And Roffel is playing hurt. Oscar is playing infirmed. I mean, he he's not at 100%. Right. And Couturier, I mean, I barely saw him on the ice on, on Saturday. He was playing lower in the lineup. So we had a lot of injuries there. And maybe that goes back to the point of, you know, who do we put the who do we who do we blame here? And essentially, I think the way you ask the question, is it Elaine Vigno or you know, making those decisions? Why wasn't this team prepared to play game seven? Why was the number one seed struggling so much? Just, I, think, I mean, I just come to the point where I'm like, did you do everything you could have done to put us in the best position to win? And I get like you know, you make a mistake or, you know, we, we could sit here and second guess decisions. Um, but you know, with, with the information that you have at the time, did you make the best decision possible? I, I, I think I would have thought that Lindblom coming back to the lineup would be more like the emotional lift of that would offset any sort of talent gap at that time between Lindblom and Frost. Um, so it is a bit of a Monday morning quarterback, but then let me, let me switch the focus another way, Chuck, and you're going to love this conversation. Uh, better player in the series, uh, Claude Giroux or uh, Pitlick? Um, and Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux. Um, really? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, I don't know how many assists he ended up with. He ended sure. up with uh, the one goal. Um, he, the advanced metrics show that his Corsi four, um, showing that how much he possessed the puck and his line possessed the puck when he was out there is actually quite high. Advanced metrics are not my cup of tea. I value them, but I don't enjoy researching them, so I can't <laughs> give you up ahead. But I do value them. Um, but even just on the eye test, um, when 
when Giroux was on the ice, the the puck was on the right side of the the rink um, more often than not. He was a play driver. He did he did things mostly the right way to generate tra- chances when he was on the ice. Now, perhaps Pitlick was the more effective player because by playing lower in the lineup, although I do think, I think he was on the second line for parts of game seven, which is not where he belongs, but as a bottom sixer, he's a great guy. You want to have him, and he, he can capitalize in that role against lesser opponents. Um, you know, that's talking about that depth the Flyers can roll out of, hey, our third line, our fourth line aren't a deficit to us. But I think, you know, Pitt, like as as much as he stood out this postseason and as valuable as he's been to the Flyers this year, Giroux is still more valuable. It's just he he results in more chances the Flyers having the puck more often uh, than than Pitlick did. Um, so, I mean, my question obviously wasn't like a serious one. I, I was just trying to illustrate the fact that, you know, are we happy with the production from Claude Giroux? And, you know, maybe this is a good time to start talking about where do the Flyers go from here? You know, where where did some of these veterans fit into the long-term plans? And, you know, we talk about an opening window here. Uh, you know, where do they fit in? I, I think the window is open. I think the window has opened this year. Um, man, that flat cap, um, for those who don't know, the NHL salary cap is going to be fairly well stagnant, I think, the next three years uh, to make up for all the lost revenue this season and presumably next season as well. So that's going to hurt us. And a guy who, since the advent of this show, I've defended more than I've damned, which is remarkable because I always introduce in the same way JVR is going to be the odd man out we got to get rid of him he for the position he plays on this team he wakes makes way too much money and he just hasn't clicked and we have young guys who can be scorers as well I'm not even I'm not even giving him a hard time about this series um he did show up what was it game two or three uh there's a little bit of success there He's a streaky goal scorer. You want him in, on your top two lines. We don't have a room for him. You know, Patrick comes back. He wasn't, and maybe I'm just misremembering. Wasn't his whole thing going to be like he's a power play goal kind of guy, like a camp out in front of the net kind of guy? Kind of. Well, that's what we always wanted him to be. And okay. Maybe he's got I, like Andre Iguodala syndrome. Um, based on context clues, I'm going to say yes. Um, <laughs> but for me, I came to appreciate the player JVR was when I stopped lamenting the player that he wasn't. He has so much size. I wanted him to be LeClaire 2.0. He never really was. He wasn't even Simmons 2.0 of camp out in front of the net and tap at home. He has right. a cannon of a shot. Um I wanted that to become more evident. He has deceptive speed for his size. He should be this wrecking ball on the ice and just isn't. What he is, is a, a smart goal scorer that when he is on, he just seems to find the gaps. 
He just seems to know how to score in that particular moment, which if that sounds like a, a wishy-washy description, he's kind of a wishy-washy player that way. When he is on, he's a valuable asset to your team. When he's not on, you just want him, you just know that he's not bringing that much else to the table. So you would look for him to be cut in the, this offseason? Is uh, that a thing that can happen? Well, no, it can't happen. Trade? Is that what you... Well, that... When, but when you say odd man out, what does that mean? He's the one you got to get rid of. And okay. I don't know if it's going to happen this offseason or if it's going to happen in the Seattle expansion draft where we'll essentially pay Seattle to take him. Right. Uh, and Chuck Fletcher got burned by that before. Right now on the Vegas Golden Knights, who um, we're recording this on Sunday. You're listening to it on Tuesday, hopefully. Um, it's coming out on Tuesday. Alex Tuck, um, Boston College player, is a fan of his at BC, went on to Minnesota. He was the price that that um, Minnesota paid Vegas stay away from somebody else. They're like, take Tuck, so and we'll give you this this other incentive to take him to stay away from this one player, and Vegas did. I think, and it ended up burning them because Alex Tuck has been a really strong player for Vegas and they got paid to take him. We're probably going to have to do the same thing with JVR. Um, now, somebody like Voracek, and I don't want to see Voracek go, but with the amount of money that he makes and he has, he doesn't have a no trade clause, You, he is somebody that you can... There's a team that could use Jake Voracek. Right now, the Flyers could use Jake Voracek. I was going to say, I mean, you know, he, he wasn't the worst. No, not at all. Not... He's got his moments. No, but yeah. And the for what I think we do next season, very little. Very little. Hope that Patrick's healthy. See if we can find a place for Morgan Frost. Unfortunately, some of those role players that we really liked, like a Tyler Pitlick, probably are not going to come back because we have to – fit in the the players that are moving their way up the roster. Same thing with Justin Braun. Uh, a lot of people got on Braun as the season went on, but he was fine for a bottom three defenseman. I think they're not going to have a home here next season. I think it's going to be season after next where we're going to be looking for maybe a, a more substantial change of perhaps a Voracek, of perhaps a JVR moving out. Uh, someone like a Bobby Brinks, um, Cam York maybe entering the lineup, and a few more years under the belt for these uh, um, rookie or sophomore players. Um, but yeah, just think think of Lindblom was our top scorer when he left. Nolan Patrick either can be a okay, trade yeah, piece. he was the top scorer when he left, but we're talking about eleven goals. Yeah, but the not but the way he was playing, it projects out more. He was always supposed to be a threat as a winger. He was a presence on the ice. He had he facilitated the players, um, you know, his line mates doing more, being more in the offensive zone. So if you just have him in your top nine, that top nine gets deeper. Nolan Patrick, he is what he is. I'm not ready to write off his career 
so many people online are completely unreasonable right now, but they are. But if you even have him as your third line center, maybe even a third line winger if Morgan Frost comes into play. Man, look at that talent. Look at, you know, add those three to what we have now, and you have Lawton anchoring the fourth line. Will it he becomes, ever play? I mean, will, will Nolan Patrick ever play again? I think so. But why? Uh, why do you think that? Because I, migraine disorders are treatable. You know, how many people do you know of, do you hear of, who stay in bed all day, every day, are disabled due to their migraines? Like, I don't know of any personally. I don't think well, it's... But I know they can impact certainly young people. No, you know, I mean, migraine. I get it. And, like, I know a lot of people that have migraines. My wife has migraine. But – and there's days where it's like, you know, this is terrible. But there's days where you don't have a migraine, right? Yeah. So can we play hockey on those days? Well, that's going to be the game plan going forward. That's I mean, am, be I being the- a, am I being a jerk about it? No, you're not. Well, maybe a little. But um, – but- <laughs> It's coming up with a plan so that the migraine days are just that of, hey, Nolan Patrick misses a game and misses a practice. So I mean, like, all right, I got an employee. If I have an employee that has migraine and they have migraine, so they don't come to work. Okay. And then the next day they don't have one. So they come and work. Now, yeah, but- playing hockey, I get there's like <laughs> collisions and there's head things, but are, are these headaches as a result of, What's happening? Playing hockey, or is it just, hey, these are migraines? No, he's had a migraine disorder throughout his life. So it has nothing to do with playing hockey. So if there's no, I I don't know. I I guess I'm being a jerk. uh, As we talk more, I feel it's the gauge is going more jerk for me than not. Well, I mean, there's a difference between jerk and ignorant. Um, I mean, (laughs) I don't know which one I'd rather be, to be honest with you. I I guess I'm fancying jerk a little more at this point. You pull off jerk well. Um, But (laughs) the hope is that, you know, Mark Howe was a migraine sufferer. He he overcame it, found a um, regiment to to treat it and manage it and is an NHL Hall of Famer. Did he miss a full Um, season? No, probably not. I don't think he did. Okay. But hey, well, but, hey, okay. Let's write him off. Let's write him off. Fight. Let's say Patrick. Is, <laughs> no, no. But for the hear, hear, argument, no, let's know, say he's not. Let's say he's not coming back. You still have Morgan Frost. You still have Oscar Lindblom. You still have, you know, potential free agency. You have Bobby Brinks. You have um, Tyler Lazinski. Who is this person? Uh, draft first, pick first. from last year. Yeah, first round draft pick from oh, okay. last year. Uh, we went for a scorer. We passed over, oh, the really little guy from the U.S. national development team that everyone loved um, to get – well, sorry, Cam York was the number one draft pick from last year. Bobby Brinks was the second round draft pick that some people thought would not follow the second round. We scooped him up there. Has okay. been a productive uh, college player. Uh, Tanner Lazinski, um, he's on – this, um, you know, our radar. I don't know if Wade Allison is still out there, but it, there's a lot of pieces to me fill in that bottom six. I think more reason for hope and optimism is Carter Hart, and 
Well, I think we we started off. What do you, what do we do next? Now I'm talking hope, mop, optimism. Well, I heart wanted to say kind of like what is what if we could have anything in this off season, you know, what do you want? Like I, I I'm thinking like I would want a vet. I want I would want to add veteran defensive like playoff experience kind of guy uh, to the team if if we could based on what I saw in this postseason. I I don't think that's. Hopefully it's not a need. I don't think it's available. I don't think it's available for the price we want to pay. And if it's need, I think we're screwed. Um, I hope that we have playoff experience now with Myers and Sandheim. Let's get a full year of Myers up to the NHL level because he wasn't there this year. Let's get Myers-Sandheim year two in the playoffs. I don't think Ghost is going to be here. Um, I think he's – there's only six spots to play. He doesn't excel in the bottom pair. He's going to go off. <clears throat> he'll be traded for a second-round draft pick, and he'll be the one that got away. But I don't think he's going to be here. Um, on the You have Friedman, um, who can come into the bottom six. You have Hegg, who is a staple on the bottom six. Sam Moran, maybe if he's mm-hmm. ever health healthy again, um, you know, maybe Matt Niskanen's here for one more year, and that's I about think... as much Matt Nickison. Nick, Nick, yeah. man, my my Matt Niskanen. Yeah, my tongue tiedness is just awful tonight. I thought he played well. Yeah, I, I had no problem with him, but I, I feel like that's the guy that if you if you you know the old Flyers would have him for four more years. Um, you know, and he'd only be physically able to play for one year. So I, I'm sort of optimistic <laughs> that um, by having him only under contract and he was very productive this year, that we've sort of hedged our bet against three years of completely unproductive elderly defensemen. Um, uh, maybe I, just to hop in sort of, and, and, and this was something that was running on my mind as you were talking, Chuck. What... I think it's taking Carter Hart out of the conversation because I think that's obvious, and I don't want you to spend um, a pick on him. But you know, are there th- are there three guys or five guys that you would say absolutely untouchable? I mean, if let's say that the the, the expansion draft became that sort of cutthroat and extreme, and you only get to you only get to hold five, and everybody else is free to be snagged up by Seattle, no questions asked. You know, who are your five guys, uh, and and are any uh, of them named Claude Giroux? I'm just going to freeze Proverov for you too, because I already know that's going to be your first answer. So, well, all right. So we so on these five, I don't have to pick the franchise goalie or the franchise defenseman. Right. <laughs> like, all right. Do you well, want me to give it? Those, know, those are not... those are a given. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's talk about our number one centerman, Sean Couturier. Still a young guy, so he's right up there. Then, um, then, ugh. So do I have four more picks or just two more? I have four more. Four more? Oh, then Travis Konechny, Travis Sanheim. Um, then probably Phil Myers. Or do they have to be on the roster right now? Do I have to protect someone like Cam York? No, I would say uh, who like the guys that played yeah, just in, on the roster yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah your 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 junior leagues are okay. Uh, then I would say, oh, Kevin Hayes. Um, so yeah, Giroux doesn't make it on that list. 
Um, I do think he's valuable. I think he should be the old guy captain of this team and progressively <laughs> over the next five years, work his way down the lineup, you know, be, and I know our power play was awful. I, I, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> our power play has been very, very good for the majority of the time that Giroux has been here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's occasional moments where it's really sucked, but all the elements are there for our power play to be really good. And Giroux is a key part of that. But outside of intangibles, he's not a guy you have to protect. So of the people I was asked to, Sanheim, Myers on the defense, Katoria, Konechny, and Hayes on the offense, that, you know, that doesn't include all the people in the pipeline. That doesn't include our number one defense, uh, our defender, and our, our number one goaltender. There's there there's a lot of things good about the Flyers. You know, it it sucks the way we went out. It was disheartening, but there's there's plenty of reasons for optimism, if not excitement. So, um, way too early to make predictions. Theater here. Um, <laughs> who who wins the division next season? Is it Washington? Is it New York? Is it us? What do you think? Um, I think it should be us. Now, if the Islanders go on to win the Stanley Cup, I don't think they will. But if they do, um, you have to factor them in just because they've been thoroughly rewarded for the style they play. The Islanders window is closing. They are an older team. Their, their prospect pool is not that deep. Um, they made some plays around the uh, the trade deadline to improve the team short term. So this is the Islanders, you know, best go at it. Um, and I just I just don't think they're that talented. Yeah, I think Barry Trotz is a phenomenal coach, and I think they're playing great hockey right now. But I don't think they win the division next year. I if I had to guess, I would say the Philadelphia Flyers do. Um, Let's see who Washington brings in as coach to see how much toothpaste is left in that tube. Let's see what the Penguins can muster um, because, again, their organizational depth sucks. They do keep seeming to, to find players out of nowhere to play at the NHL level. But, you know, the people whose windows are very, very small right now, it's the Capitals and the Penguins. And if not next year, very soon, they're going to be either the bottom playoff, you know, contenders or out of the playoffs. Um, Carolina, if they can get a goaltender, can be really dangerous. Um, but and right the, now they don't have one. And so. the, Ra- the Rangers are coming, though. They just got a number one. They're, they're going to get a number one pick. Uh, they already have a very young first, like, you know, their roster right now at the NHL is, is very young and under control. Yeah. Uh, and probably not all that expensive. I don't know, Chuck, you might know if they've got, I mean, is the most expensive guy on that roster still Lundqvist, do you think? No, it's uh, it's our Temi Panarin. Um, came over as a unrestricted free agent in the offseason, you know, last July. The, the Rangers will be good very soon. Um, I don't know if it's going to be next year. 
they are a younger team. Um, Panarin did a lot of heavy lifting. He's in the conversation for the Hart Trophy. Lundqvist is, I mean, I'm surprised if he's not going to be promoted out, if it's not going to be, hey, you're no longer the starting goalie and here's, you know, vice president of hockey operations for you. Um, but they do have a lot of goaltending prospects. The Rangers are going to be good. I just kind of, I've made the prediction of someone making the leap like a year or two early in the past, typically with the Flyers. But um, I, I feel like I feel like the Rangers are going to be the exact same team they were this year, just with a little more upside. So maybe they get the second wild card. I think maybe the the Rangers, Flyers, and Hurricanes are going to be the people battling it out for the top three in the division for the next five years, but maybe not next year for the Rangers. Okay. I think, uh, I think that's a good place to stop uh, with the Flyers uh, for now. I mean, I think it was a decent, a decent eulogy. It's probably one of the more optimistic eulogies we've done. uh, Oh, I think by far the most optimistic. (laughs) so that's that's nice and i and i think i think if they if if the flyers lose game one like two to one you know in a in a in a much closer game much more well-fought game i think that uh, even that you know we're we're two days a day removed from what was a you know basically a uh a sacrifice you know human sacrifice uh at the hands of our uh you know a beloved team that we've been basically been hanging on for two months so they really got us through some tough times and i think maybe that's a natural transition to i think on sunday uh a week from today um is 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 the next great love of our life coming along (laughs) well look i'm not gonna i'm not counting out the phillies um because they really kind of turned on the jets right when right when i was thinking like Oh my gosh, Flyers! You have to win because you can't leave us alone with the Phillies until the Eagles come to town. Um, but I, so I'm not going to write off the Phillies because I think they they can make the postseason or they're at least in decent shape to make the postseason. Um, but yeah, I mean Sunday, Sunday we have the Eagles, and like I, it, it's bizarre to me that an Eagles season snuck up on me, like without preseason and and you know who's gonna you know win these roster spots and uh you know all that stuff i've just been so focused on flyers and um and the phillies and stuff it's just like wow i I can't believe in a week we have football and i didn't even see it coming i mean do do you feel like you lost something by not having that content in your life where you were able to watch um, more baseball and be more focused, like where you didn't have that training camp footage on Action News or that Thursday night at 8.30 preseason game that you watched the first 25 minutes with reckless <laughs> abandon only to be angry <laughs> for the next hour and a half. Um, you know, and, and I mean, in typical Eagles fashion, I will say, even without preseason games, they have managed to um, have several key starters totally uh, unavailable for either short periods of the season or... <laughs> Or at all, um, yeah. which means that they basically beat up themselves. Um, you know, it's it's like the guy that can't help but punch himself in the face. Um, 
you know. Uh, but uh, so a lot of w- weird roster moves, not only in Philadelphia, but around the league. The the idea that we may have some places that have fans and some places that don't. I know we won't have any here. Um, yeah, but I, I will say that uh, I woke up this morning, realized that I was a week till football. And uh, I for the first time probably uh, in a while, I start to, I started to get that that juice going that that excitement for football going well i mean you know covid has done some weird things um but i've been i've been pretty happy to focus on you know bubble basketball bubble hockey bubble soccer um and and talking about some different things on this podcast instead of you know kicking it off with the birds every week and some like minute type debate that we would have or rehashing some Dak Prescott versus Carson Wentz bullshit that like first take tends to like thrive on Uh, Chuck, what were you going to jump in there with? I was going to go this upcoming Eagles season feels like a a dream I would have when I was a kid. And, you know, when you're a kid, everything's so focused around, you know, holidays where you get presents and your birthday and things. And you, you, before you get to, I don't know, eight or however old, you don't know all the rules. So I would occasionally have dreams that it would just be a random day. And it's like, hey, it's Labor Day, Chuck. So you get a present. And that's what this upcoming NFL season feels like. Without the like ramp up, it just feels like the Eagles play next week. Uh, first preseason game? No, the real thing. Like what? <laughs> like the Flyers lose? Their season is over the Phillies are hanging out in this odd sticky middle kind of situation. And now you get like real football, like starting on time with no preseason games, which you haven't wanted or watched in years. And it's just there. And it's like, is this really happening? Like this doesn't seem right. It doesn't, but it just, it, it feels a bit surreal and it just feels like this unexpected gift so my expectations are like I just want to see it happen. Like I, I don't even know what I'm hoping to see happen. I just want to see actual football and you know see that the Philadelphia Eagles will be on the field wearing green and and the game's gonna count for something. Yeah, well let's just hope that what you know what you watch on week one across the NFL resembles actual football. Um, with no preseason and stuff, you know, who the hell knows what you're going to get. You you got to be an absolute maniac to bet on week one because I, I have no idea what what kind of product we're going to see on the field at all. Thankfully, we play um, Washington, Washington football team uh, week one. Is w- that the name they're going with? WFC. Are you serious? That's what it is. <laughs> no, it, I, they are just going as Washington football. Is that going to be their like three? But I, I guess uh, like when you when you look at the at the at the bug and on the bottom where they have the the scores, I think it's going to be WFC. That that would be my guess. I mean, I would I, imagine it's WAS. Uh, yeah, they so may do that too. Can, can I, just a, just as a tangent, real quick. When did we go from requiring like just city initials? being three three letters or two letters to now it has to be three letters because like growing up I, I remember it used to be like when you played la it would be la or uh when you played new york it would just be like ny and and now we got like 
VGK. Uh, it should just be <laughs> LV for Las Vegas. Uh, I well, when did the airlines make the shift? You know, the airports became three-letter codes. That's why you have LAX. All the ones that end in X used to only be two. So was it around the same time? What? what I, I don't. What, what is the pe- is it NOP for the New Orleans Pelicans? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't understand. There is no other New Orleans basketball team. It's just N.O. Right. Okay, whatever. Anyway, what were we talking about? (laughs) The Philadelphia Eagles playing the Washington. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the shit that's like swirling with the Eagles right now. And the big news or the big debate right now is what is like Jason Peters. What the – I, 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 there's three of us on this show. I'm going to venture a guess that we have three different opinions on how the Eagles should handle Jason Peters or how Jason Peters should be handling the situation. So Jason Peters, basically free agent gets no offers from anybody to do anything, even like sweep up the locker room at this (laughs) point, the Eagles don't want him either, but suffer an injury. Um, So we're going to bring him in at right guard. Um, and I, you know, I guess there's the, the negotiation of that is based around what position he's going to be playing, but you got to think in the back of how he's mine. This is some insurance for left tackle in case any of these like plan a, B or C doesn't pan out. Um, and then, well, Oh, <laughs> plans a, B and C don't pan out. And now it would be beneficial to the team to have Jason Peters play left tackle, but he either wants a salary increase uh, to play the position or just basically wants to play right guard. Um, how, how do you think this should be handled? Because right now it looks like the Eagles are saying, well, fine, you'll just play right guard and we'll figure it out another way. Well, I, this is my going on that because I one of the things that's been interesting about following this story is because you can't see anything, you have to take it by what might be hearsay. And, and we all know that the front offices, coaching staffs, and sometimes players themselves uh, will either lie or they will negotiate in the press or whatever. So it's it's hard to tell where these these stories are coming from. I don't even know how much of the press is actually watching, you know, the football happening. But let's assume that the problem is that Peters is like, if I'm going to play at left tackle, I should be paid as a left tackle. Now, nobody else wanted to pay him as a left tackle. I assume that when he went as a free agent market, that's what was on his little card, as in, like, you know, hire me, Jason Peters, left tackle, future Hall of Famer. <laughs> and everybody else was like, mm, eh, mm, ah, no. Um, so the Eagles bring him back in to play right guard, which is a, a, a less paid position. But, you know, I got to be honest, my whole life – the way I've under kind of kind of understood most of the offensive line play is if if you can sort of be a, a hybrid and play a couple of different places on the offensive line that that makes you more valuable and more likely to keep your job. Um, now I understand that left tackle is sort of a special case in in this sort of thing, but I think that. It's bad. It's a, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth that somehow that this came out that this was the negotiation. I don't know why that came out if it was leaked by Peters's camp or whatever. Um, I, and I know that he has a very very good relationship not only with 
um, Doug Peterson, but he has a, a an in particularly good res, uh, uh, re, um, relationship with uh, the owner, with uh, Jeff Lurie. Uh, they they are often seen palling around, talking to each other. Uh, they seem like the most odd couple of odd couples. Um, hmm. But uh, what I, th- I what I, I tend to believe is that um, Peters is probably under some pressure, whether it's by his own. Uh, agent or his or his own pride to say like listen if I'm going to play that position the left tackle position where I was paid x number of dollars my whole career if you're going to now slide me back over there then I need to be compensated in the same way I always was um if it's if it's that sort of a relationship I I kind of I see it if it's one of those things where he's stomping his his feet in the locker room going no 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 I'm only gonna play right guard no 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 I mean, that just I, – I don't – I think that that's a lot – how a lot of the fans maybe are perceiving this is that he's standing by his locker throwing a kitty fit like, oh, you want me to play left tackle? I'm just going to stand here then. Um, I just don't I, – I just don't see that that's probably what's happening. But we can't see the football happening so we don't know. Um, what I tend to believe is what is more really realistically going on, and, and this is one something I heard either I read on one of the writers on Twitter or that I, I actually heard on I, – I tend to believe I didn't hear it on talk radio because I don't imagine that this would be good for, for, for ratings. But I, I think that there is a real concern that he can still play left tackle, um, that, there, that he, he may have lost more than a step this time, and that they are actually more comfortable with him at right tackle. And that there are other options that are sort of raw at the at left tackle, but if they are able to round them into form, might actually be better at protecting the blind side of the quarterback. Um, so I tend to believe that there is some credence to the idea that Doug Peterson and the coaching staff aren't in love with the idea of Peter of, of Peters moving back out to left tackle, and Peters don't want to do it unless he's paid that way anyway. So that's sort of where I I believe that there's some truth in the middle there, but. I think um, I think we disagree a bit here, Gene. I think like, but I I think this is a situation uh, one of those um, uh, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain situations uh, because you know Jason Peters is pretty much beloved amongst Eagles fans and, and here like it boils down to this. You signed a contract to play for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. So, you know, you're a player on the team, dude. I get that you're a Hall of Famer uh, at this point in your career, but we're asking you to play your fucking Hall of Fame position. Like, it's not like, you know, we want you to, uh, you know, learn how to play the piano or something here. It's like, we're just asking you to do what you do better than basically anybody else in the league for a little while until we can get this figured out. It, you know, any other player in any other position, you know, if you asked Malcolm Jenkins last year to play corner and he would say, Oh no, fuck no, I'm a safety man. You got to pay me. We got to talk about my contract and get that figured out first. I mean, he's an all pro safety. It's the same. It's, it's the same kind of situation. I just think he should be doing what's best for the team. If he's going to be on the team. And that's, that's where I'm coming from with this thing. It's, it's souring the grapes for me. Holy management talk on labor day, man. (laughs) You know, you got to give it up, you know, 
contracts aside, we're all pulling on the same rope here. You know, do you want to play for the team or not? Yeah, you signed a contract to play, you know, on the right side, but Peter Struggs. To- that's the it's gonna be the uh the yes. title here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because get paid to do what you do. If it's not in your contract, ask for more money. And this is not a greedy thing. I- this is protecting yourself protecting your coworkers, protecting your fellow workers. But does the contract say I play this position? I mean, I imagine it would have to. I mean, you know, if I imagine Carson Wentz's contract states specifically that he plays quarterback, you know, and it's just like, okay, Dave, let's say, you know, at your job, they want you to take on a position where you're overseeing not just your current department, but the the next department over. So you're now managing two groups of people. And it's you're great at management. You're great at overseeing the people you do. So help the team out. Take your Hall of Fame management skills and cover these two groups of people. Would you want more money? No, wait, hold on. That, that is not that is not the conversation that is being had here. It's all right. Let's say I work at an auto plant, right? And I make the um the the steering wheel, okay? And I've <laughs> for 20 years, for 20 years I've made steering wheels and I'm the fastest fucking steering wheel maker in Detroit. Right. And, 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 uh, you know, my hands are getting a little tired of making steering wheels. So I just want to, uh, I just want to kick back and just, you know, polish the fenders or some shit before, before they go out. Okay. And they say, we need you to make the steering wheels again this year. What, what well, am I supposed to say? Like, to steering wheels. You signed up to polish the fenders in your retirement. So, you know what? You're going to be a team player. You're going to say, I'll go back, make the steering wheels. I don't want to make, but you have to compensate me. He's making $3 million this year when every other team gave him zero. Well, we're not talking about every other team. We're talking about the Eagles and what they hired him to do. So when your boss, and I'm talking to you at home, not my boss, hopefully you're not listening, never mind this, but I'm talking to the home listener. If they ask you to work off the books, you say no. If they ask you to do something out of the scope of your contract, you say, I need more money. Look, I'm an That's how this works. Steering wheel maker, okay? Okay, you're an unemployed steering wheel maker. Thankfully, but- thankfully, Chuck's Car Depot wants me to polish the fenders but now there's a steering wheel making opening and they want me to make the steering wheels you make the fucking steering wheels because the option is you're out of work i say cut no wait wait oh you're (laughs) bust up that union how dare you how dare you you were lucky you were lucky to come to chuck's automobile dealership (laughs) depot or whatever we're calling it to polish fenders now i'm offering you the glory of making steering wheels something that uh, you didn't sign up for you know you, what you should be paying me dave's handcrafted steering wheels that's um sorry new company <laughs> i fuck this podcasting shit we're i'm making steering wheels full-time <laughs> before we go uh go go too far away can we just talk about 
the the guys that were cut from the Eagles. Um, is is any, yeah. any names that shocked you as as players that you were convinced were definitely going to be specifically in our in our secondary this year? That Cravon LeBlanc. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I thought he had value. I I didn't realize he had actually gotten cut. It was today. Wow, 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 wow. No, I really honestly thought with the other cuts that happened that he had definitely had a job. Yeah, so who who else got cut? I know uh, Sidney Jones, uh, Rasul Douglas. <clears throat> right. And no, I think uh, they were the most those, notable. those are the two most notable in the secondary. Uh, and both of them have uh, sort of landed. Um, Rasul Douglas is going to be playing for your Carolina Panthers. Uh, and I believe he actually has an NFL job. Looks like he's going to be a – uh, actually on the roster. Uh, Sidney Jones, man, how a second-round guy has fallen. Now, granted, the Eagles are taking a flyer. But, um, yeah, he's a practice squad guy in Jacksonville. That's where Sidney Jones is. That's uh, That was, like, the best he could work out. So, um, thoughts? Like, do you know, I, I, and, and you, as you said, Craven LeBlanc, who is playing in our secondary this year? Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Slay, <clears throat> Mills, I was going to say the Green Goblin. Uh, who's our other corner at this point? Did, did we draft uh, Maddox? Anybody? Yeah, it's got to be Maddox, I guess. I thought Maddox might move out to safety with, with Malcolm Jenkins gone. I uh, just feel like over the past few years, we've had so many injuries in the secondary that, uh, you know, we'd want to protect that depth. Um, but maybe it's there i know we kept i think we kept every rookie the interesting thing is you know are are we used to seeing these guys and just convinced that 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 those are our best options because they kept trotting them out there year after year or has it finally gotten to a point where uh, they've looked around the the coaching rooms and kind of said like we just we got to be done like these guys we've we've tried we've tried we've tried (laughs) they're not getting any better they're not getting anywhere Let's let's go with the kids. Let's So here's the team. Here's the team. The cornerbacks, we have Craig James, Avante Maddox, uh Nickel or Nickel Roby Coleman and Darius Slay and then safety is Marcus Epps, Rudy Ford, uh Rodney McLeod, Jalen Mills, Will Parks and Kevon Wallace. Wait, did you say that Mills is going to play safety? Yeah, that's his natural position. Okay. All right. Well, I would rather him at safety than corner. Absolutely. Uh um, yeah. We know if he's being paid more. <laughs> I, I I assume that it actually corners make more than safety. <laughs> yeah, I would think corners make more. Yeah, uh, I was good. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Well, you know, make the steer yeah. well, you'll be fine. But, well, actually, tucks the is... airbag into the steer. <laughs> <laughs> that takes a lot of labor, but never mind. But this is actually a point where, you know, as much as we deride and sort of mock preseason games, even just like as gentle reminders of who the hell was drafted, who we picked up, you know, actually seeing them play as opposed to, you know, hearing someone talk about them on the five minute version of sports rise that exists now, you know, it's, there's a real disconnect from the team for me at least. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Uh, we, Cause you're, we're going to be turning it on uh on sunday and it's going to be our first look at a lot of these players so it's it's a little weird yeah and i think it's going to be interesting because i think we were all excited to see our uh jalen rieger and he's could be out as many as 
three weeks, four weeks. He he had a an upper upper body injury. Uh, yeah, but he did not go on the uh, on the pup list, right? Uh, right. So, but Alshon I mean, Jeffrey did because I think we actually kept six wide receivers or seven wide receivers. We kept a lot uh, with Alshon not being one of them because he's on physically unable to perform, which I think means yeah, yeah we kept everyone. So it's Whiteside, Hightower, uh, Deshaun, Alshon, Rieger, Ward, and uh, Watkins. Wow. So we're gonna see. Do- I, I think we're gonna see JJ, Deshaun, and I don't know who's gonna be in the slot. Um, maybe Ward in the slot or, or ward the outside and JJ in the slot. Well, we're going to see some combination probably of those three start. That's kind of a, an undersized receiving core. And the three running backs. So it's Clement Sanders and Scott. I don't know. I, Hey, fuck it. We're going 11 and five. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, and we also signed our emergency quarterback today. Is it uh, is it Nate Sudfeld? No, it's Josh McCown. So listen to this deal. He gets to just chill in Texas. And if we need him, we go like, okay, come come play, come to the the game. He just like <laughs> he does like quarterback meetings through Zoom, and it just yeah, so, he's just there in case we need him. So he's he's, he's under he's, contract. So he's just home. Just hanging out on the ranch, taking Zoom calls. He's really bas- basically. I don't understand why I couldn't be an emergency quarterback for a team. Then at that so point. McCown will be staying in Texas throughout the season, staying in shape, and going to virtual meetings. So staying in shape should be in quotes. This is like the ultimate. Shape are you staying? <laughs> this is like the ultimate understudy thing. It's like you know we have McCown if we need him. It's like I'm I'm up. I know all my lines. And it's like. <laughs> Oh my God! Laryngitis. Can you go? It's like shit. We'll send <laughs> like, you to Just stay in shape. You're you're gonna yeah. be fine. <laughs> Do you think he I mean, calls his other him. like forty year old buddies like that he went to high school with, and they're like, "Yeah, we got to go out and like toss the toss the ball around every night." Well, we can't, man. Like because of COVID, we can't toss a ball around. Yeah, he's making twelve thousand dollars a week. Which is basically like the change that falls out of Lori's pockets. <laughs> I wonder if, yeah. if if he was able to coach, and I don't know if in Texas they're the schools are in or not. But I think he had been last year before he was called into service or pressed. It's into Texas. The schools are in. <laughs> so I wonder if he's also like coaching football. If it's the kind of thing where like Friday night he'll he'll coach his team and then hop on a plane. Or a bus, or a train, or whatever uh, John Candy has available, yeah. and yeah. He's um, twelve thousand a week not to get COVID in yeah. Texas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll be the so, only one at the stadium wearing a mask. The school, the schools are open, <laughs> and, and everyone has to uh, uh, lick each other before class starts. It's Texas. <laughs> How many fans are, is Jerry allowing into uh, Jerry World for a game? Do we? Do we? It's like max capacity, right? He's actually expanded capacity for for the games, right? He's expanded in, capacity. He, he's in, opened up a kissing booth. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. The cheerleaders are opening a, a kissing booth. He's inviting other sports to like you know while while the Cowboys are playing, he'll play other sports on the giant TV so that other fans can come and watch. Uh, eighty thousand. That's how much the stadium holds, right? Oh, I thought it maxed out at like 103 or 104. I thought it, I thought he was insistent on getting it over 100,000. 
uh, for seating tickets, they'll distribute in seating blocks known as pods. It just says that they're limiting. I, I'm, I'm not finding a number here, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past Jerry to be like, ah, oh, 75,000. <laughs> <laughs> I still go back to this though. I, I don't understand why we can't have any fans in the, you know what I mean? Like I can go to fucking Applebee's uh to get like a bourbon shrimp and chicken but i uh, we can't find a way to get a thousand people in citizens bank park yeah i think even if it's like just a novelty of hey enter the lottery and congratulations your family gets this section you know, right, close the concessions. I'm fine. Like, you know, yeah. whatever we got to do, pack your lunch, whatever the hell it is. Um, <laughs> I think we can find a way. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's so weird. It's just, I, I could see coming up with a plan of, you know, as opposed to how much does a section at Citizen Bank normally set like what 200 people you know yeah just off the top of my head okay and go well now it's gonna be 30 you know it's right. it, you can do it effectively but back when the back when oh, baseball disney was returning world is open disney world is open yeah but it shouldn't be but it <laughs> is uh, you know i mean it is they have procedures i'm not hearing uh, news articles it's like a uh, hundred people from disney you know i i don't know i just feel like it's a double standard and sports is always on like the chopping block for why it can't work i don't know whatever e- back to the eagles <laughs> so uh, that's a sweet deal right 12k a week to uh stay in a shape and, to, to watch, um, and and you have to talk to Carson Wentz over Zoom. And you got to go to a Zoom meeting every once in a while. And basically, you're there. If two guys go down, I mean, you're going to get – I don't know. I guess I, it's – I guess the idea is that if a quarterback was to have to go out on quarantine, you would have to have someone who has some semblance of NFL experience that would come and start a game for you and, and is not – and, and, and if the and option is not uh, on site. Drago, then you take it. Right. I think the Eagles may be in a better position because I assume that every team is probably trying to work out some sort of a deal. And at least, you know, you have a guy that is somewhat familiar with what you're trying to do. The team knows him and he's willing to to do that. You know, I don't know if every team has that cultivated that sort of a relationship with an with an old quarterback. I'm sure Brett Favre has sent business cards to uh, lots of organizations um, because I'm uh, this seems like they, they kind of. <laughs> <laughs> seems like the well, kind look, of thing we got a guy that could play with a ripped ass so uh <laughs> the I... problem is far as sent them by fax <laughs> so that's no one has gotten them anyone that can play with a ripped ass has my uh undying <laughs> respect he's he dusted off the wranglers and he's ready to go <laughs> all right well hey hey let's uh let's i think it's about time to uh wrangle it into chuck's penalty box Thank you, Dave, and I'm happy that you did the uh, the Wrangler uh, sort of uh, crossover there. Uh, I was really hoping to hear that. So I'm going to wrangle on over to Gene. Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? I warned you guys about this earlier in the week, and I've my anger about this has not subsided at all. Nice. Um, anyone who's been watching the, 
the playoffs for the NHL knows that clearly they have a relationship with Subway, um, which I there's a million things wrong with Subway to begin with. Um, but of course they go out and they get a new spokesman. Um, they've been sort of in need of a high profile spokesman and, um, you know, of all the people to go and get with just leaking personality from their ears, uh, they go and find Bill Belichick, um, who they, (laughs) they stick in his, his, his uniform, his, his hoodie, and they have stupid people come out of Subway, and then he berates them and cuts their clothes off of them, and uh, and and calls that an ad. The, the, he's so lazy with his acting that in the ad where he cuts the sleeves off of, his, of the of the guy, he doesn't even move his arms to pretend that he's cutting the sleeves off. He literally just stands there. They make a scissoring sound in the background, and the sleeves are magically removed from the guy's sweatshirt. Uh, I don't believe for a second Bill Belichick had anything to do with the removal of those sleeves. Um, the other one where he's sitting on a on a on a bench, I believe, with voiceover and him just kind of looking longingly and somewhat grumpily out into Main Street, USA, um, again with just charisma just oozing out of his body. <laughs> what of all the people on the planet that you could convince to do an ad? Now I you know. I didn't like John Gruden's commercials either, but at least I understood why an ad agency might be like, you know what? Oh, that guy is loud uh, and sort of obnoxious. People might want to buy beer if only to drown him out. Um, but, you know, Tony Romo is, 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 is a shill. Why not go and get him to, to, <laughs> to shill your sandwiches? Um, Robert Griffin III's got nothing better to do. He used to, him and Ryan Howard used to toss the old sub around. Uh, why don't you call him back up? Um, you know, but... In, in, of all the people in the whole world, there was some sort of a meeting with a bunch of stuffed suits that was like, ah, oh, you know who we should call? You know who will definitely take our call? Bill Belichick. And they all went, give that guy a raise. It, it just makes zero sense. You know, the- if you've ever listened to the uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, uh, Cousin Sal is supposed to hit B- uh, B- Bill Simmons in the face with a subway uh, footlong at some point to settle a bet that they never do. So, well, maybe that would have been a good ad campaign, right? Anything would have been better than watching zero personality Bill Belichick do literally anything. So, for that, I think I would like somebody to 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 box up. And and sell me for five dollars the Subway ad marketing group. All right, Subway ad marketing group, which Gene has decided is your official name. You're getting a five, a five minute, a five minute major or for hiring someone only slightly better than the pedophile you had before. All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box? You know why would you uh, why would you hire a spokesperson that like ninety percent of the population fucking hates? Like looking to make inroads in Boston, I guess. Like, that, like, anyway, okay. Um, so for my penalty box um, today at the U.S. Open, uh, top seed uh, Novak Djokovic, out of frustration. Um, hit a ball into the throat of a line judge uh, <laughs> and was disqualified. Um, now, I, look, Jokovic is a dick. 
Okay. I mean, I, I'm pretty much convinced of this between his like COVID spreading tournament earlier in the year. And now this, do I think he did it on purpose? No, probably not. Uh, if you watch the video, he probably didn't, but in the statement today, the U S tennis uh, association said in accordance with the grand slam rule book, following his actions of intentionally hitting a ball dangerously or recklessly within the court or hitting a ball with negligent disregard of the consequences. Uh, the U S open tournament referee defaulted uh, Novak Djokovic. So the number one men's seat is out of the tournament um, because I can't keep it in check. It, like even John McEnroe on his worst day, never, throat assaulted uh a line judge to the point where the person had to collapse uh and and gasp for air uh based on a fuzzy ball hitting their throat um this is pretty wild i've really never seen anything like this before jokovic keep it in check you're going into my penalty box all right, Novak uh, Djokovic, you are getting a two-minute minor, but it's going to be inflated to a five-minute major because by the time you came along, Nadal and Rafa and Federer were slightly out of their prime, so you benefited a lot by being a few years younger. Also, fuck you for wanting to join the new union that's going to cut out the women's team so that the the women's tennis players so so real quick behind the scenes yeah what uh, is this dave, i don't even know about this dave stole my penalty box <laughs> um oh, so what, what? Dude, you can't even say that well we talked about it but that's not funny <laughs> that was explaining the diatribe is accidentally going on but i was saying he uh djokovic is a uh, leading member of a new tennis union that one of their main found you know, foundational points is that the men should get paid more than the women. Um, which I think this was the 50th anniversary of um, Billie Jean King and I think nine others fighting for uh, equal pay amongst the men and the women. So the whole thing went off the rails. So I'm going to default back to you. Dave and I actually did talk about this before the show that he got to do uh novak i suspected that you would have the same penalty so that's why we why don't you just put him in there for that reason and we just both do a a double team penalty box all right we we're doing the first ever double team penalty box dave gets him for covid and assaulting a lineswoman with a ball on the neck i'm getting him for uh rallying the union to pay men more than women. Novak Djokovic, you're overrating and a piece of shit. Wait, wait, wait. So not only did he recklessly. That, well, I one whistle for me and one whistle for Chuck. Right. Uh, so not only did he recklessly, or, or however the USTA so eloquently put it, which I feel like how McEnroe wasn't disqualified in literally every match he played in um, because I can't imagine that he had actually any idea where the ball was going most of the time. Uh, he was just rage, rage. Um, my favorite tennis player of all time, by yeah. the way. Um, <laughs> my dad's too, which absolutely is on brand. Um, so not only was it a lines, it was a lines woman. It was not yeah, like. It was a, fe- yeah, it was a female. So he like just recklessly, not, not only does he not want women to be paid equally. And <laughs> honestly, Women's tennis is way more entertaining than men's tennis. Um, 
so like I, I imagine that they are certainly at least on par. Uh, but I would say, if anything, women should be paid more. Um, a lot more people find Serena Williams marketable than Noka uh, Djokovic. Um, but he 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 smashed that at a woman, and he doesn't want women to be like, whoa. My man, it is 2020. This is not the side you want to be like the, you know, you are definitely out. This is not in. You're you you are on the wrong side of the line, my man. He's also an anti-vaxer. Just this piling on for my hatred of Novak Djokovic. And he and like this wasn't even supposed to be my bit. My thing was supposed to be yelling at people for getting mad at at Bush and Jonesy for not praising the Flyers more. But I got so annoyed <laughs> at Djokovic. I that was bullshit, myself. though. We can we talk about that for a second? That was bullshit. I felt like they went out of their way to be like, you know how like when you coach your kid, you're like the hardest on your kid. Like I felt like they were overly complimentary to the Islanders, so they wouldn't be called out as being homers i can see that a little but we got our doors blown off most games against the islanders there was a lot to compliment but you can at least give them like micro compliments where there was good effort or uh, whatever <laughs> it, i'm gonna, I'm gonna watch all baseball. seven games again with a tick sheet and i'm gonna count compliments Chris Collinsworth stop anyway all right that's all the time we have for today we're going to be back next week um with the recapping Eagles game one more Phillies stuff maybe the Sixers will have a coach who the hell knows what we're going to talk about um if you haven't done so already please remember to rate review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts also check us out on social media Facebook Twitter and Instagram just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the whip around uh, for all the week's weird news updates. Uh, and until next week, have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here. Also, I hope you had a great, happy uh, Labor Day and all that nonsense. So.